believe God's got something really special for us today. Um, as I say many times, every time I'm preparing, it's something different. The way it comes, sometimes it comes at the beginning of the week, sometimes it comes at the end of the week, sometimes it comes at the last moment, sometimes it's experiences. You know, God just, he doesn't do it. A, B, C, black and white. There's uh, different ways the Lord speaks all the time. And um, if you were here on Tuesday, uh, some of you were, Jeannie brought up a scripture, which I want to go to today, and it's in Revelations chapter 2, verse 2. It goes right along with what we've been talking about these last couple weeks. That's Revelations chapter 2, verse 2. And it says, this is Jesus is giving John a revelation, and he talks to John, and he talks to John about the churches. There's all kinds of different interpretations of if it was a church in that day, if it's the church of today, if the seven churches represent different eras. There's all kinds of different interpretations. Honestly, I think all of them at once can be true because God is like that. He says something to Jeremiah 4,000 years ago that's applicable to us today. So um, I don't know if it's just the end time church. I don't know uh, if we're in one of them and not the other. But I think we can read all of them and say, well, I got that piece and I need that piece. I have that and I need that. Because basically what Jesus does with these seven churches is he gives them some encouragement and then he says, hey, there's a few things I want you to get into alignment, which I love. I love when the Lord puts things into alignment. Who's a chiropractor person here? Anybody here like the chiropractor? There you go. Yeah, there's a few people that love the chiropractor. Me personally, I don't personally care for it, but that's just me. Uh, my mother-in-law and my wife, when they're really out of whack, chiropractor it is. So I'm not opposed to it. But one time we did go to this really funny chiropractor. I mean, the guy was really funny. And maybe that's why I don't really care for the chiropractor today, because of this one experience. But the guy would lay you on a bench, on, put your face down, okay? Which, you know, is not uncommon, but he'd turn all the lights off. You'd have a little bit of natural sunlight coming in, but it was like this relaxing, calm experience. Yeah, she's already rolling her eyes. And he would line you up. Sometimes there's like seven people in this room, like lined up. And he would walk into the room, and your back was like a Game Boy to him. I mean, that's the best way I can describe it. Most of you, I'm not going to tell you modern stuff. Or it's like, it was like a game. There's like buttons on your back, these invisible buttons or something. And he would, the funniest thing is, you know, on the audio, they won't get the visual, but I'll show you guys, that he would like push a button like as if it was going to, you know, like, oh, okay, you got this problem in your back. Eat. I mean, he'd like push this button and like the way he would like, you could feel his finger release like he had done something. It was like one second, done. And then he would walk away and you could hear him. You could hear him close. You could hear his clothes brushing in. You could hear him coming back. It's adjustment too. Like little button. And um, I mean, I don't know. He could, he was some sort of micro adjustment theory I don't know. I think it was total craziness, total craziness. But I do believe that there are chiro chiropractors, if you believe in it, it's because they work for you, that, um, that do work. Now, that was funny. That was wacky. But God is like a master chiropractor. 
He really is. You know, we can get weird and we can try to think, you know, the adjustments are these quick little boop, 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 boop. I mean, it was the funniest thing in the world. But God is more like, you know, these chiropractors that kind of feel your back. Oh, yeah, there is something out of whack here, right? And they go pop, and it doesn't feel that comfortable for that split second. And then after you're like, wow, okay, you're right. That's what I needed. And I love what Jesus does with the churches. He's like the chiropractor. You know, you're not like, you know, you're not walking in there like you're, he doesn't talk to any of these churches like they're like hunched over. He talks to them like, hey, I got some adjustments to do in you. And that's a good thing. That's for your benefit. So he says, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work. This sounds awesome. And your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. This sounds amazing. This guy, God's given this church of Ephesus here an amazing review. He's reviewing their church. Hey, and you have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they are not. So you've got some discernment here. You've got some endurance. You've got some patience. You're working hard. And verse 3 And you have patiently suffered for me, so not just your hard work, but even the church was going through some persecution, and they suffered for him without quitting. But I have this complaint. Everybody say one complaint. I love when the Lord's only got one complaint. I don't like the list. I love when he's like, hey, Adam, you know, what you did there, that was kind of hypocritical. You're right, God. That was. Forgive me. I love the one correction. I don't like the list. He says, I have this one complaint. He doesn't say that there, but he only tells him one, so I can say that. And he says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Now, the um, older translations, they, they add this or each other in the New Living Translation. It does not say that in the older text. I think... Um, they took some license that says you lost your first love, your first love. Now, I only, the reason that I still think this is applicable is because last week we went to um, 1 Corinthians, right? And we talked about if you are, if you've done all of this and you've got this all figured out and you've got, you know, you've got everything worked out, but you've forgotten love, what do you have? Nothing, right? And the love is really two ways. He gives us two commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and love others as yourself. So really, it's both. But what I want to concentrate is, it's more accurate to say, King James, you can pull up the Amplified version there. We have that. But I wanted just to, to read that. I think this is probably not as accurate, but that it's, that it's each other as well. But I did want to read that, that sometimes... That our love, when our love is for God, you will have automatically, you're going to have love for people. You really can't have one without the other. They really go hand in hand. But really, what Jesus was really talking about is, he says, that you have abandoned the love you had for me. You had a love for me when you first came to me, and you've, somehow you've lost it, you've forgotten it. And I just, and and like I said, Jeannie read the scripture on Tuesday and it's been going right along with what have we been saying? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then I said last week, I even took it a step further and we make it action. I do 
all things through Christ who strengthens me. It becomes an action. But I realized that um, what is the reason? Why can we and then why do we do all things through Christ who strengthens us? Because as John 15, as I said two weeks ago, there is a relationship that we have with Jesus. And it, it's not a tool. Jesus does not work for us. The Holy Spirit does not work for us. The Word of God does not work for us. We work for God. He loves us unconditionally. I mean, the Word is clear. And Jesus' example of his death while we were still sinners is clear that he loves us so much that he gave his own life for us, physically, mentally, as we talked about on Easter. I mean, he went through complete and total death for us. He loves us. But there is this relationship that he wants us to have with him. And he doesn't knock them. If you notice, he doesn't say, hey, all those things you do, they're pointless. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, stop doing those things and just love me. He doesn't knock them on any of those things. He just says, hey, don't forget, though, the reason why you do those things. And it's such an easy thing to do. I am guilty. I'm going to preach to myself today. You guys can just listen in on the sermon to myself. It's, I'm so guilty of this that you get going with God in a path that he directs you. And this can happen as soon as you get saved or as soon as he commissions you in a new task. Whatever that is, it might be a task for a day, might be a task for a week or a season or the rest of your life. And I feel like whether you, anytime the Lord's like giving you something to do, what the devil tries to do is bring in all these distractions and all this stuff. And they're good things sometimes. If you start following after God, you start walking with God, it's gonna be much harder for the devil to get you into like blatant sin. It still happens. We see it all the time, and the Lord's grace and mercy is there for that person. But what the devil can do easily with us as human beings is just get us distracted, get us looking at all these things and think we're doing good things, which are things that Jesus never tells us to stop doing. But if we've done it and forgotten him, then what's the point? We have to remember that, yes, we have been commissioned to preach the gospel and to be lights, to be examples to this world. But if what we're giving them is just an ability to get to heaven and not the love and relationship that we personally have and encounter with Jesus, then we're selling short. We're selling them short of the full gospel. Truly what God wants. I didn't tell the band to play that song and I didn't know they were playing that today. Uh, that we are the bride of Christ. This is a little awkward for men in here. A lot of women here today anyway, that's okay. But everybody, I want you to say, I am the bride of Christ. We are his bride. Now, just picture this. It's the wedding day. All right, men, you can really identify, right? We're waiting there. All of a sudden, the doors open. And there she is, all in white. She's so pretty. And then she gets up to you and she's like, oh, I did this, this, and that. The windows outside, it's ready. Photographer's all set. 
the hall's good, the food's good. And you're like, shut up. I don't care about those things. That's great. I'm glad that all those things are in line, but I just want you. Like if those things weren't lined up, I mean, guys, I'm just being honest. The brides do take care of all that with their mothers or with some, or the planner that the bride is doing those things. But that's not the stuff you care about on wedding day. That's not it. You don't care about those things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing my in-laws laughing because I remember that whole experience, you know, and it's quite, it's quite an experience. There's a lot that goes on. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I just showed up one day <laughs> and Papa pays for it. <laughs> That's the reality. But can you imagine us showing God all the things we did? All he cares about is that white gown, that purity, the look in your eyes. Like if I, you know, when Dawn's busy, she's got a look. Women, men, can you identify that in your wife, wives? When your wife's like busy, she's on a mission, she's got a look in her eye. Dawn's got a look. I don't know if you guys do, but she's got a look. She's on a mission. There's no love in those eyes. I'm on a mission. I don't hate you, but I don't love you right now. <laughs> She's on a mission to accomplish. That's not the look I want to see in her eyes when it comes time to, hey, you're my bride, and we're standing there. It's the altar. And the reality is that the Bible says you can Look with me. There's many places it says it says it in Matthew 22, Matthew 25, Revelation 21, talking about Jesus being the bride. I want to just turn over, stay in Revelation to the book, I mean, the chapter 19, verse 7. Revelations chapter 19, verse 7. It says, Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and the bride has prepared herself. Jesus is not talking about all the things that the bride did to get the day ready, to make it look nice, and all those things. He doesn't care. In fact, to be perfectly honest, men, We don't even really care about the white dress. We just want to see that look in your eyes that you are committed to me, that this is our moment. That's it. Jesus, and it's so easy to forget. We get, it's just our human nature. It's just our nature to get going and to get doing, and we get busy for God. Like I said, I'm just preaching to myself. You guys just listen to this, okay? You can just listen. I'm just having a conversation with God today because I am the most guilty. I won't stand up here and be a hypocrite and talk to you, talk at you. I'm just having a conversation with myself. That's how I feel, and I feel like the Lord is His Word. I'm not coming up with it on my own, that He's using His Word to remind me that, hey, this is all that matters. Nothing else matters. And, and I believe the Lord is so happy with this church. Sure, there's some things we still got to work out. There's a lot of adjustments that he's going to keep doing, the master chiropractor. And I'm glad he does one adjustment at a time. You ever go to the chiropractor and have him do your whole body at once? It wouldn't be a good thing. Does one adjustment at a time. And I believe the Lord's doing that and he'll keep getting us where he wants to be. But he's not as concerned about those things, the things, the list. 
He loves that we're going to do some amazing things together as a church inside this building and out. Who said, everybody say outside the building, right? That's the true church, right? Outside this building. And he's, the Lord is very proud. I know, I can feel it. I know that he is proud of everyone here and he's proud that we've come together against so much adversity in this world today that says that this is a joke, this is fake, Jesus is, you know, who is he, right? And, and he loves that, but he loves us more. Does that make sense? And wants us to love him more than those things. Not stopping, but it's just a simple, it's just, it's, I swear, if that guy was really doing something, that's really how, how simple it is, though. It's like pushing a button, though. I mean, the guy was Fruit Loop, but that's really how simple it is. It's like a micro adjustment. Oh, yeah, the whole reason I'm doing this is for you. You can get so, we just get, we just, it's our human nature. I'm telling you, I do it all the time. We're going through our days and you're doing the same things, but it's like, what is your focus? What is your heart? Dan, we just had this conversation with the worship team before we even started. It can be sound the same. It can look the same, but what's your intention? What's your focus? What's your heart, right? Because I mean, there's great bands. No offense to our, our band is amazing, but there are bands that get paid millions of dollars and sound incredible. Our band's like pretty darn close. We're getting there quick. These guys get paid millions of dollars to, to create an experience and you can weep at this Rolling Stones concert and listen to the music and have this emotional experience. And yet, what is it? It's nothing. And now we can bring you here, which is not as polished. I'll just keep it like that, right? And have the Spirit of God, which is real, bring you into an experience, a relationship, a love moment with God. And it's something real. And I want you to take a peek at the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 22. Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 22. Now, husbands and wives, you can apply this. This is, this is one of those dual chapters. It means two things. It means husband and wife stuff, and it means Christ stuff, okay? If you know the chapter, and we're going to read that, and we're going to see it, it means two things. So husbands and wives, if the Lord's speaking to you in this chapter today, you can apply that too. But I want to talk to us about us, the bride, and Jesus, the groom. That's what this, the scriptures imply. He says, for wives, who's the wife then? If Jesus is the groom, who's the wife? We are. Okay, so for us, as the wife to Christ, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 23, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so we are submitting to Christ, and he's giving us a comparison in the same way a wife is submitted to her husband in everything. For husbands, this means, so this is how Jesus loves us. For husbands, this means love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Remember, Jesus loves us, and husbands here, you can apply that to you. This is what we're called to do, but this is how Jesus loves us. He loves this church 
this way, that he gave up his life for her. Verse 26, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of the word. 27, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. So Jesus, being the husband here, he loves us as himself, as his own body. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. And no one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ. So Christ feeds and cares for us as the church. Verse 30. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one or they've become one flesh, one person. We and as the bride, the church and Jesus Christ as the groom have become one flesh. We've said many times that, you know, husband and wife, you finish each other's sentences, right? I love the Tim Hawkins joke. He's like, my wife and I do that all the time. And he says, I'm not going to do it as well as he does. I'm just not funny like that. But he says, hey, honey. And then she screams back, you know, he says, make your own sandwich. And he's like, see, we finish each other's sentences all the time. He's like, that's what I was thinking. I was just going to ask you if you wanted me to make you one. And the reality is, is that why does that happen, though? Because the husband and wife become one flesh. We need to remember that Jesus Christ and his church, us, have become one. We have become one with him. And when we get busy and we get doing and we get going with all the stuff and he is like left on the sidelines, it's like you are leaving half of yourself. It's not real. If we don't bring him along, if he's not the center and the focus, then we are, there is a, there's a disconnection. And it says in verse 32, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way. So all those scriptures, what does he say? He sums it up to say, this is a crazy thing that happens. I'm going to add some words here because it's relevant. This is insane. It doesn't make any sense that a man can come from one family and a woman from another family, all backgrounds and all these things and all these differences and come together and become one flesh. And he says, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and us, the church, are one. So the best picture that Jesus gave us to understand what our relationship is with him is a husband and wife. It is a place of the most intimacy, right? Women, intimacy is more than the bedroom. Intimacy is this place where you trust, you have a connection. There is a place together that no one else has. It doesn't matter who your best friend is. doesn't matter who, 
even your own children, there's a place of intimacy with your spouse that can only be between the two of you. You cannot. There might be something similar. You might have a bond with a brother at war that you die for each other, but it still will not be the same as a husband and wife. And he says that it's the same as Jesus Christ and us. That's the place that he's looking for in us. That's the relationship that he's looking for in us. He said it's an illustration to describe who he is with us. In verse 33, So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So again, it's two things. He was talking to husbands and wives here, but I love that he gives you a glimpse into what our relationship is with him. It's just one of those, there's some, there's some sections of scripture that he does this, where it's two things at once. And that's the picture, a husband and wife. And I just, I think the Lord, you know, after I was uh, listening to Jeannie on Tuesday, reading that passage from, from Revelation 2 about the church of Ephesus, and I was like, man, we've been talking about getting, you know, doing things with Christ. But so many times we can think we're doing it with him, that he's giving us the strength. As if like, I know it sounds silly, but it, we do it. As if he's the tool that we need to get the job done. Like Jesus will give you the strength to do what you need to do. As if it's like something that he's over here and he gives you something and then you go do it. And it's so much more than that. It's literally, as it says in Ephesians, and as we've read in Revelation 19, that we are the bride. There is a connection between us and Jesus Christ. And he says, you can do all those things. I'm not going to say that, that he doesn't give them one knock for the things they're doing. Some of the other churches, he does. He says some of the works part of their relationship with him was off. In this case, the works part were on, but the heart part was off. And then he says to him in Revelations 2, he says, repent. It's such a simple thing. He just says, repent. That's all. What does that mean? Repenting is not a word. It's not Jesus, I'm sorry. And that's how it begins, but it's literally like this. You're right, Lord. I, can, I could get into my own strength. I could get doing some things my way and I think I'm doing a big job for you, doing something I need to do for you, caring for, we could be caring for people, doing good things for people, and then realize that we left him back here somewhere. And it's as simple as this. This is all it is. Ready? This is repentance. All that this, the, that word means, it carries such a harsh stigma today. It's such a simple word. It just means to turn around and to get back in line with Christ. That's it. It's very simple. And um. I, I, the Lord this week was just giving this like, I told Dawn, I said, I just got this one word and I can't figure out why. I got this like one word floating through me. And I was thinking about these, these um, Eastern religion, these um, yoga, martial arts, they're all, they all do the same thing. And it's like, I need to center myself. You see it today in business, right? Business world, they do it. People before they've got to do um, big events and before speakers get on stage, they're going to say something. They do this thing called, you know, they balance their body, bring things into balance, bring things to center. And I realized that 
Because many times what you see like in the new age and you see in other religions, because the devil is an angel of light, right? We read that, the word's clear about that. He's brought truths from the word of God and he bring, he's brought them into other religions. So then we stay away from those things because we say, oh, that's, you know, those things, that's the devil. But we realize if we go right to the word, I'm not gonna copy your format, not gonna copy your way. I mean, you listen, these guys, when they do the centering and they do the balancing, and these things work. And the reason they work is kind of like gravity. God set up laws in the universe and they work. Whether you are, he said, I send my rain on the evil person and on the good person. There are principles just like giving. I say it all the time. You can go to any philanthropist and see their money growing and growing, and they have no love for God at all because they have the principle of giving. It works. And the reality is, is that just by, what do they do? They start, they say, I'm going to bring my, I'm going to center myself. What do they do? The first thing they're going to do is they're going to just get rid of all the stuff, all the distractions, all the other things, and they come back to this place of peace. Now, they do it in their soul. If you try to take those principles now and you do it as a believer, it won't work. And I'll tell you why. Because before you knew Christ, you do those principles. Well, there are, like I said, there are laws in the universe that work, and the devil's not opposed to you. He doesn't care if you center yourself or you balance yourself because you have no, you have, you, what are you doing it for? It's all about self, self, self. I need the strength. I need the peace. I need to be able to do this, so I'm going to center myself. I'm going to bring myself back. The reality is we come to Christ, and you try to do a flesh thing, a soul thing. You try to get yourself, right? We do it. You try to put yourself into a calm place. You know, it might be hunting. It might be fishing. It might be yoga. It might be TV. I don't know what your vice is, but we can do things that like to try to calm ourselves, to bring peace. And if you mix that soul thing in, that's like Jesus right in the other room. He's in the bedroom, and we're sitting in the living room trying to calm ourselves, trying to bring peace. And he's like, hey, I'm right here. He's the one. He is it. There is, you, that's, that would be, it's insulting to him. He loves us, right? We, we read that. We can see that. He loves us. But it's like, hey, don't do the thing in your soul. I just wanted to mention that. I didn't really want to go off on a tangent about doing your soul. But the point is, the Bible says that we can actually bring ourselves to a place of peace in Christ. Sometimes we're going about, we're doing, we're busy, we're going, and all of a sudden you realize, I'm in a place of chaos. And the Bible says that in that moment, come back to Christ. It's the only answer. I want to look at that in a moment, but first I wanted to say this. Who has had a day or a moment, an experience where you start heading in a particular direction and it feels like nothing can go right? Ever been there? And I was just thinking, Dawn and I, we tried to go on this date night. I was thinking, you know, that's really what we need. We need a date night with Jesus. Sometimes it sounds so silly, but it's exactly what we need. We just need to come back to our first love. We need a date night. We need to just come back to Christ and be like, okay, Jesus, everything else, there's, I've cleared the table just for you. I recognize your love for me. That's what we would do with a husband and wife. And all the distractions, the phones are off. This is off. These people are going to have to wait, etc. 
And so Dawn and I, we try heading on this little mini date. That was last minute. We got in the Jeep. We, don't, we haven't been driving the Jeep recently, but we put the top down. We're like, we're going to go to Cold Spring. It's a nice little village. We get something to eat, get some ice cream. And I looked at the wind and I was like, darn it. I never did the registration because we're going we're gonna to sell it, but we're going to drive it maybe one or two more times before we sold it. So I hadn't done the registration because we're going to sell it. And I'm looking at it going, darn it. So we're like, whatever. It's not going to ruin our date. Now we get in the van. Now we're driving up Route 9. Like, I'm not starving yet, but so let's just, um, let's just run over to the mall for a little walk a little bit, and you will be hungry within minutes, right? That's what happens. So get in the mall, and I'm like, I need some shoelaces for this particular pair of shoes. We check this store. They don't have them. Finish Line doesn't have shoelaces for men. Hello, the biggest shoe store in the mall. I was like, what the heck's going on here? And we went upstairs to another one. They don't have them either. They're like, oh, try Journeys. Don't have them. I was like, Dix is going to have them. So we went over to Dix, and they did have them. And I saw this pack of these special ones that you can pull, and they'd be perfect for this running shoes that I wanted. I said, okay, great. Bought it. And now we're, go we're hungry. We're going to go eat. We get a call from her mom that the kids, are they're at our house. Time to go home. Like, okay. Well, I guess that's that. So we went home. I opened the pack of shoelaces, no date night, and then I opened the pack of shoelaces, lace up one of the shoes, and you have to cut them, like it's a special thing, you clip this little end on, and I go to put the second one in, and I was like, what are these extra two pieces in this bag? Someone had already cut and returned it open. So now, this hour and a half of our lives produced absolutely nothing at all. The only thing that we had no date night, I made dinner on the grill. And the one thing I got was a pair of shoelaces that were cut and modified and would not fit. They're like an inch short. Now, I did go back another day and replace them, but of course, they didn't have the right color. So I had to pull the other, like the other one I laced, I left it laced. I told the lady at the desk, I'm like, I didn't bring you the other one back because I'm not. It's already laced up. I just want to get the same one because someone opened it. So I had to pull it out and put a new one in. And I just was like, my gosh. And this was, this was, that was one experience. I had like five of these in a week. Then Anthony and I, we had this crazy hot day. It was like the hottest day. We're on a rubber roof, flat roof. The sun's like 40 feet in the air. There's no trees, just sun. We're going to push through and it's going to get this thing done. So we stopped. They have iced tea, which I love, passion tea at Starbucks on the way home. And I get, there's one above the large called a Trenta, 30 ounces. And I'm still looking forward to this iced tea. I took a sip, but while I'm standing there, I was like, oh, they have this espresso machine that I've been wanting. It's normally 160 on sale for 59 bucks. And I've been wanting it for a long time, but I haven't been able to justify it. So I bought it. But, the, but it was like, you needed pods too, so I, I needed to have a bag. So now I have the box in one arm, the bag in the other. Walked out to my truck, got in my truck. We're driving down Route 9, go to reach for my iced tea, and it's not there. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, you, he's like I would turn around. I'm like, I can't. We're late. I need to go. We need to get home. I stopped there for the iced tea, not for the machine. So a couple of days later, I'm like, oh, my espresso machine. Let's go set that thing up. I'm excited about this. It wouldn't work. It was defective. <laughs> and, and 
defective. I'm like, are you kidding me? Now, I'm just giving, I'm keeping it like, I'm giving you two small experiences. I mentioned to Dawn on the date night, I said, usually these are the moments that are red flags to me in the spirit. That the Lord is saying, hey, something's out of balance. Something's out of whack. Now, the world uses a terms like centered and balanced, and they have their terms. All right, but they stole it from God's kingdom. When Jesus is not your equilibrium in the center, I mean, it's so, you could be so close. I mean, if it's, if it's an entire day of that, an entire week of that, then you've got some other stuff. You've got some major, some devils to deal with, and you've got some, maybe some major sin you've got to deal with when it's just your whole life is chaos. I'm talking about moments, just moments. But I usually use those moments when, it, when that starts happening, okay, God, what's going on? And I realized it's just as simple as this, Revelation 2. It's as simple as you're doing, 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 going, 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 but hey, I'm back here. You left me back here somewhere. That's Jesus yelling to us, hey, I'm right here. Come on back and let's do this again. And, you know, the Bible actually, Tony didn't even know what he was saying. It's so funny. I don't think he usually says this, but in the hallway, I like to go and pray right before church. And I was standing in the hallway and he says, go meditate. He's never said that before. He usually says, go pray. I was like, okay, God, now I know exactly what you're saying because that's what I wrote down. Joshua chapter one, Tony, <laughs> Joshua chapter one, verse two. I want to take you there just for a moment and I'll hang on this just for a minute and we'll close. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. He's talking to Joshua. This is God himself talking to Joshua, the new leader of Israel. And Moses was his leader before. We know the story of Moses, whether you've been in church or haven't. You've seen the cartoons. You've heard the stories. But the Red Sea really happened. Wasn't, wasn't the Reed Sea. Because then there's a bigger miracle. How did he drown the entire Egyptian army in six inches of water? Oh, they forgot that part. Discovery Channel. Is the Red Sea really happened. Moses did these amazing things. But his time was done. He's 120 years old, and there's some circumstances to his death that you can, we can talk about another time. He's dead. It's done. The old thing is done. The way you were yesterday, the past, how you got here, all that thing, that thing is done. It doesn't even matter your experiences, your, your trials, your ups, your downs. When we come to Christ, the old is dead. And the Lord's looking. He doesn't want, he doesn't want you to take an old thing with you, though. You could try to, it could be dead, but you could try to, our, our nature is to take it with us. But he tells him it's dead. And then he says in verse seven, Joshua, I'm going to give you the key. I'm going to give you a way that you can keep going. I'm going to give you the tools to show you how to keep me, to keep it right. Don't make the mistakes that maybe some of the past has made. And he says to him, be strong and very courageous. 
Now, as soon as we read that, we're thinking, yeah, I'm going to be strong. I can do that. I can be courageous. I can be strong. Both men and women, we're going to have our strengths and our courage in different ways, but we do that. That's our human nature. But then he says, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. That's a different type of strength and courage, isn't it? Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful. You will be successful in everything you do. Verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Ready, Tony? Here's your word. See? It's okay that yoga stole it. It's okay that the New Age and Aikido, martial arts, they bring themselves in the center and balance. And everyone's been on the hike and you see all the rocks stacked and stuff. That's not just for decoration. There's a whole spirituality to that. Okay, that's all that's fake. But in the Bible, he tells us to meditate. Meditate. It means the same thing as what they do. It's not a, that word's the same. The way they meditate, the way we're supposed to meditate, the actual functionality of this word is exactly the same. But what are they doing? It's all about self and it's me and my fulfillment and bring my power and my energy and all this stuff out of me. Whereas God tells Joshua, you gotta be strong and be courageous, but it's not gonna come from you. And you could do all that. You could do the world's way and you're gonna miss it. He says, Meditate on what? I'm gonna, I gotta grab the physical. You guys, we know the iPad's okay, that's the Bible, but let me just grab the physical, you right? I'm not religious, I'll, I'll read out of the iPad, it's the Bible, but let's just look at it, this thing. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then, everybody say, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Verse 9, he says it again. I love how that's crammed right in there. He gives you the key. He tells him to be courageous and says it again. But what's crammed right in there? What was the key? Meditate on this thing right here. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is, everybody say, he's with us wherever you go. Now, here's the reality. They didn't have Jesus Christ yet. Jesus is the fulfillment to the word. So here's where it gets awesome. People say all the time, I love Jesus. I told you about the guy I was hiking with last week, my accidental hike, right? Just going along and there's the guy. And he's telling me about how Jesus is so cool. And I think this, and I think Jesus was about this. And Jesus and Buddha said the same things. No, he didn't. Remember, Jesus is not the Jesus you think he is in your head. He is who he is. He is who he is. Not the Jesus that's comfortable to you. Not the Jesus that's warm and fuzzy. He is who he is. He is the epitome of love. He's already shown that he loves us unconditionally. What, he says, what greater love can someone give or show than laying down your life, which he did. 
There is no greater love for us. He loves us. So now we fast forward, New Testament, New Covenant, post Christ's death and resurrection. And when, if Joshua were here today, he would tell him, get your center right, get your balance right, get your focus right. And it's in Jesus Christ alone, alone. And it would not be any different than this verse. It's exactly the same, exactly the same, because Jesus said, I did not come to abolish this book, but to fulfill it. He came, as the Bible says, the word made flesh. So when Jesus says, you got to come back to the center, which is who? Him. Not someplace in you. They say it's two inches below your navel. I mean, where do they come up with this stuff? Your center. I don't think that's my center. I mean, come back to Christ. The principle is the same. You got to come back to that center place, that, that first love, where you started. It's such a simple thing, but anything we do, as I said last week, anything we build upon any other foundation than Jesus Christ is a waste. And even if he's the foundation and we start doing walls and our strength and building rooms, remember, I said this last week, the Bible says that he's going to test those things with fire. And if it's his way and it's been done in him and it was his will, then what happens? He says, when I test it with fire, if it's gold, silver, and precious stones, we know in the natural, just as it is in the spirit, those things are not affected by fire. Gold, silver, and precious stones, in fact, are created through fire. Pressure and heat, that's where you get the diamond from. That's where you get the precious stone from. The gold, then it's purified in the fire. But he says, if you've done it in your own strength, you'll still be saved, but you've wasted a lot of time. What a waste. He said, because that wood, hay, and stubble that you built, those kingdoms that you built, all those good things that you did, I'm going to burn those things up. They're worthless. And so I just believe that Jesus wants to get us. I love alignments. I love his alignment because he loves us so much that he doesn't want you to waste even one breath. And the reality is, is it's not about that. That's really what it is. If he and you are one and there's an intimacy between you, it says in 1 John that it says, whatever you pray in his will will be done. Well, how do you get his will? Because you're, you are one. And as soon as we deviate, as soon as we try to start doing things, and it happens so quick. As I said, I'll finish it with this. I'm the most guilty of anybody. I'm not, that's not, a, that's not me trying to just say, I'm not saying that for lip service. I mean that I'm the most guilty of this. I leave the quickest. And that's why he's got to start doing some things. So you're just kind of like, hey, hello. Hey. <laughs> I went back to Starbucks. I made the lady, she opened up the brand new package. She took the wrappings off. And I said, is it okay if I see it run? I made her show it to me. And it works. I said, okay. And that, you know, the reality is, is 
as soon as you come back to him, the Lord, you know, he just wants it. He doesn't want you to waste, but more than that, he wants a relationship with you. I was going to take you out on the time to Genesis. It says that God came and walked in the flesh in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. Jesus says that he is the new Adam. We are the new creations. We are. This right now is the Garden of Eden when Jesus is the center and the focus. You have to remember you came to him broken and hungry and needy. That's how he wants us every single day. And then what he does is in that state, then he fills you with his strength, as we've been saying. Then you can do all things through Christ. I'm going to add another word. I've been adding and taking away from words so all the uh, scholars on the internet can bash me. Can do all things through Christ who fills me with his presence and power and spirit and word. I think that was okay, poetic license for that. Let's close in some prayer. We thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your heart. I thank you, Lord, for your passion for us. Lord, you are so jealous for us. There is, can be no other God before you because you love us so much. Anything that we do, Lord, that takes the importance of you, Lord, away, I thank you, Lord, that you're very quick to show us if we're willing to listen so that we can get back, Lord, to what matters, that it's just about you and I. And Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are continually, just like a good husband, Lord, leading us. You're continually coming in, Lord, in, in the spirit to our bedroom chamber and saying, I want to close the door. I've got some things I want to share with you. It's an intimate thing. It's just between you and I. We have to close this door sometimes and spend some time together. Otherwise, what is the point? I thank you, Lord, that you've done that again in our lives. I pray that it would sink down deep. And Lord, this is a new day. It's a new season. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that after date night is a good day the next day. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.